Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Polo Talk, the Kano Polo podcast. My name is Holger Diedrich and I'm the host of that show. Before we start, I have to say sorry that there was a no new episode in the last weeks, but with the start of the Kano Polo season, I had other commitments. But I can tell that I already have scheduled the next interviews in the next weeks and I think that we will have some interesting guests. For today, I want to introduce my guest now. He started playing in 2003 after doing whitewater paddling through the 90s. He played as a member of the Finnish national team since 2012 in multiple European and World Championships and he won several national championships with, a, with his club team in Finland. He was also a member of the Polo Board in the Federation and coached in Kano Polo junior team from 2007-2009. I played and coached against him several times at the Odense Indoor Tournament and on other tournaments around Europe. I'm happy to have him with me today. A warm welcome to Arne Mietinen. Hello, thank you. Hello, okay. Arne. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Welcome. No, it's fine. Yeah, uh, thank you. Really honored to be here. You've had some really big names on the show. So. Um, thank you I, for having me. <laughs> I give that back to you. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, I think the podcast lives from um, great names, as you said, but also from all the other Polo people doing. Uh, great work for developing our sport around the world and uh, it's not only the big countries it's also in the i put it in science smaller polo countries so yeah thank me thank you for joining me today and uh, make that recording happen and it's already late <laughs> in finland because we found out that there's a time difference between germany and finland so i didn't know that so i learned something today thank you for that <laughs> Yeah, we're a bit on the eastern side, eastern side of Europe. Yeah. So um, I, I just want to start with a personal question um, because you, you um, gave me some information about your starting and I, I thought it's interesting, but how did you start paddling? And yeah, it's a, a, I was just dragged by my parents to the training. Now, uh, my parents had paddled when they were uh, dating. And then they just joined a uh, paddling club uh, when they settled down and I was around five years old. And uh, I started paddling with them. Uh, I just remember that I was really anxious, really eager to paddle from the point. Just remember after hearing that I'm going to start paddling, I, for some reason I felt that it is going to be really cool. I remember playing with my friends how to paddle, like running around with the stick trying to paddle without even knowing what the sport is. Yeah. And uh, then it just happened to be they, I took in, I really took eagerly into the sport. And uh, it happened to be a whitewater paddling sport uh, club. And my parents started organizing everything. And uh, I was just running around and paddling myself. First whitewater experience when I was six. So uh, I kind of like, I've known how to paddle as long as I've known how to read. And uh, I paddled in... Or actually, before I knew how to read, and, and I've paddled <laughs> whitewater since I, as long as I've known how to read, and uh, that yeah. was quite a some, quite a long time ago. And like you said, it's uh, through the nineties. I paddled rather. Uh, I was rather serious with my slalom paddling, but uh, uh, then I started studying, and it kind of dropped off. I still paddle slalom every year, but uh, it's kind of like a hobby now. 
Yeah, sounds so so, so, sounds good. But <laughs> I just sorry to ask, but when so your parents were dating, uh, so they met at the kayak kayak club no, or, no, or they no. or your dad thought like oh it's a nice idea to take this nice girl out uh, for a round of paddling i haven't actually asked them about it they used to have like a old uh, two-seater kayak made from veneer i've seen the boat but uh, it's like somewhere in the 70s when they were dating uh, and uh, i was born in 1980 so uh, it, it was kind of like a forgotten sport them and then uh, their started their friend told that hey i'm in a canoe club would you like to paddle again and uh, it just became a family hobby yeah. my sister also paddles so ah, okay yeah so it's uh, comparable with my uh, paddling experience i was born into the club when my parents were in the kayak club so um yeah uh, the pass was laying in front of me <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah i actually When I listened to your earlier episode, I uh, felt the Canadian episode really familiar. It sounded there was a lot of familiar things for me in that one. Yeah, so I I, I think uh, the what we always say, Carnival was family. I think there is something true in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so you do also you did like white water. Um, Did you do also like really uh, competitions or just just for fun going down the canyons? Oh no! Well, fin Finland is a really lousy place. I have a track record of really poor choices for sports. Uh, whitewater kayaking is really difficult in Finland because uh, we don't have that much rapid. So uh, it's usually in the flooded rivers in the spring and in the autumn, and then a few places that has some water. So. Slalom was a good one because you don't need that much of a you don't need that big whitewater. You just need to take something technical to do, and then you go around the gates. Yeah. So I've actually ran my biggest rapids after I turned 30, 35. So uh, huh. it was smaller rapids then with technical stuff and paddling slalom. Ah, okay. It's yeah. just the last 10, 15 years that I've done something bigger. Yeah. So I I can say I I started um, whitewater paddling. Let's say two weeks or three weeks ago, <laughs> that was my first really experience in white water in Switzerland uh, with some friends. And uh, I didn't want to do it, but they said, oh, no, you have to come. And I yeah. said, yeah, but I'm really scared. And they said, no, no, just just follow me. I said, okay, yeah, but uh, I made it. So I'm still here um, and it was fun. I can say that, but I'm, I was really scared of white water. That's why I'm asking <laughs> of you doing the crazy stuff. Yeah, I've done some. And I'm still planning to do more. I, I, I am still very much a whitewater paddler. Yeah. Polo is just a lot easier to do than not than whitewater. Okay. I mean, it's a polo podcast, so we can talk about whitewater later. But just yeah. just come to uh, to uh, to Cano Polo. You you you're playing in the national team since 2012, and uh, you you played at all kind of uh, tournaments. Right now, are you still playing in the national team or you're a coach now? Uh, I would be playing if there was a national team, most likely. Or at, at least I would be trying. Uh, I'm not really good, a co good of a coach. I, uh, I, don't have, uh, I don't have the brains for really studying properly. Everything that coach needs to know. And uh, I'm not sure my output is really good for 
training other paddlers. So uh, I'm usually more like uh, organizing stuff than coaching people. I, I usually have to coach people because there are not that many people in Finland teaching others, but I don't feel that that's my forte. But uh, yeah, if there was a national team at the moment in Finland, I would actually at least be trying to get yeah. there into the team, into the team, because I feel that uh, the I still want to play. And uh, in Finland, if you want to play the really uh, proper polo, really extreme on the high level, you need to be at least training with the national team and trying to go on their training trips. Yeah. So, out of practic practicality or necessity. I would need to be in the team because I really want to play the top level polo. Well, the top level that I can see. Yeah, yeah. Um, but why is there no? I mean, we are going to the national team already. But why is there no national team this year? I mean, there will be a European Championship. We know that now. So you don't uh, go there. Uh, we are at the moment. Yeah, we we don't have any plans on going. We did discuss it last weekend. We had a polo camp, but uh, we had a coach, former player, and uh, he's a really good, really good coach, awesome professional uh, guy who was coaching, Antti was coaching our team for at least five years. Okay. And uh, we made a lot of development, but uh, his plan uh, was, it, it ended in the Coimbra. Ah, okay. So that was the that was his stint, and then we were supposed to see how this develops, what we're gonna do, and then came COVID. Yeah. So we didn't get ahead. We had uh, we had some coaches uh, like offering their assistance to us, and we were also discussing and uh, what what we want to do, what where we do, where do we want to take the team, but uh, we have a kind of I think we're a bit burning the team out because we don't have juniors lined up yeah. to like challenge us old ones so uh, um, we're at the moment trying to see what the direction is for a Finnish canoe polo and national team we have a lot of motivated players but uh, it's a lot of hassle a lot of red tape to, uh, to cut so to speak to go to uh, European tournaments and everything Yeah. so uh, if there are uh, when the once the COVID eases out a bit and we can just start driving with the car or take our gear to Europe, we're going to come to the tournaments again. But uh, I don't know the future of the national team. Uh, Finnish Federation also wants uh, results, and we haven't been able to produce proper results from Europeans or World Championships. Okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, so your coach uh, stopped uh, coaching you because he said. Um... Uh, he didn't see that much of a development or no 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 he had a deal with the federation ah, okay so it was like a three or five years and uh, he still coaches uh, he's a good friend of us ah, okay and he plays himself and uh, he was just coaching us last weekend but he is also a professional coach he just I think he just graduated he's doing his uh, PhD yeah so uh, he has professional goals also yeah. professional ambitions so canoe polo is his passion but it might not be the only passion yeah, or yeah. he might want to take it to some some other direction 
So we don't have a plan at the moment. Ah, okay. So yeah, okay. Oh, they, I I didn't understand that there was a real deal that the, like the contract ends after 2019. I didn't I didn't understand that. But yeah, okay. Yeah, it was it was originally his idea. I think if I remember correctly, he had an idea that we're gonna do this like the first three years and then two years extra or something. Oh, it sounds really good that he really like had a plan to. Where yeah, he started he and uh, where where um, he wants to finish with it, you know, the, that sounds yeah. We, Ante did a really great job at it, and uh, we're really grateful for his work. Yeah, it's uh, because it was a hobby for him also to coach us, so we got a lot for our money. Um, did you ask for other people from other countries then after uh, he ends or? Uh, he said, no, we want to have him back and try to convince him. Uh, no, we just haven't had a proper discussion. We were like, uh, because uh, we didn't do really well in the European yeah. 2019. Like pretty much the opposite of doing well. And uh, so there was no chance for us to get to the World Championships. So it was going to be, it, it was going to be at least two years of hiatus. So we were supposed to start the talks in the early 2020 yeah but then the COVID came and those discussions weren't relevant anymore yeah okay yeah i mean coaching and uh, COVID stopped um a lot of stuff uh all over polo i guess and uh if you have not like a big um community or like big clubs where with a lot of people then i think it's even harder to um keep all of them motivated and uh, going huh? that's just what i what i guess but um then we just uh, start talking about like how is the sport organized in finland like uh, how many clubs clubs and teams do you have oh not that many it's uh <laughs> with we're a really small sport in finland well we're a small country but anyways our national national championships for the last i don't know maybe 10 years have had eight teams every year that's counting all the all the teams yeah. and we we don't have junior teams we don't have we don't have a single junior team uh, we had a women's team for a few years and uh, one year when we had the special big competition system and we had the national television covering us we managed to squeeze three women's teams so we had actually women's championship uh, but uh, otherwise it's eight 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 teams and usually out of uh, maybe five clubs so we have five active clubs in Cano Polo yeah. and maybe four or five other clubs that train Cano Polo okay but and none of those are just Canu Polo clubs. There are something else, and they have section for Canu Polo. So okay, but the other four or five clubs don't join the tournaments. They just play for themselves a little and just for fun. Yeah, well, there are like uh, four four clubs that are always present at the national championships, and then the last one or two, uh, the last four teams might be from different or like my club has usually two or three teams yeah. in the national championships. And then uh, there's uh, one or two other teams that might be some, from some other club. Yeah, it doesn't sound too much, but I mean, eight teams. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's uh, a base. It's, it's a base to build on. You know, that's what I. Yeah, and actually, I, if I remember correctly, uh, Switzerland 
doesn't have that many more yeah, yeah. teams or uh, clubs yeah. than us. So, and uh, I think Sweden isn't that much further from us when it comes to the number of players. Yeah, their uh, level is a bit higher than us. But uh, yeah, I don't know the proper numbers. In Finland, it's between something like sixty to hundred people yeah. who has a, have a competition license every year for canoe polo. Yeah. So I I, uh, I know that there's uh, in Switzerland there are not that many clubs. You're totally right. I'm. I think it's like really four or five clubs um, who really, and I mean three bigger clubs and probably like two or three more. But uh, you're right, there are not that many teams too. Um, but I'm, for them, it's probably easier to to go to uh, to European tournaments because they are like in the middle of Europe. So yeah. uh, it's it easier to get the. Um, international events and uh, comparison yeah so but yeah what, what I, I just want to say i saw the one time i saw a live stream from the finnish uh, championship i don't know some years ago it was quite a nice mm -hmm. uh, quite a nice um um video was like a stream and uh, quite professional and also i could say the venue looked really really awesome <laughs> Yeah. Where was it? Most likely it was uh, Kuusijärvi. It's next to, Finland, uh, next to Helsinki. Helsinki has a few other cities right clumps next to it. It's one big metropolitan area. Yeah. And uh, next to Helsinki is Vantaa, and Vantaa has Kuusijärvi. It's a really picturesque small lake in the middle of a forest. Yeah. And uh, Finland had this uh, uh, SMV, the Finnish Championship Week, that a lot of small sports had their national championships at that one weekend and then there was uh, national tv coverage ah, okay. for uh so for the sports and uh for the really small sports the coverage was for the finals and we managed to get that one uh, we were two two times uh, we participated two times in that and the other time we had uh, men's uh men's uh, final Uh, not live streamed, but almost live live streamed. It was like a one hour delay yeah. or something, but they could edit it slightly, all the cursing and everything. Yeah. So there was like a, um, yeah. So we have this, something like this in Germany. The last two, no, this year and like in 2019 and 2020, there was nothing, but we're all kind of different sports uh, besides soccer. I say, yeah, um, had like the German championships and also we had Kanu Polo this year in there. Um, and it was also covered from TV, like from the uh, national um, national TV station. So this is what yours sound like, Sports Week in Finland. So that's that's nice. Yeah, uh, yeah Finland, uh, Sweden has the same, and I think it was kind of like copied or taken the idea from there. Yeah. It was especially the first time around. It was really awesome for us and. Uh, so uh, thank you if the venue looked nice because I was the competition organizer manager that year. So, uh, <laughs> it was kind of my doing. Well, no, it was a communal effort. A lot of people. Yeah. I just happened to be the guy who was kind of In like charge. pulling others. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, it really looked looked awesome. Huh? So the venue with all the trees on the on the awesome lake. Uh, it looked awesome. So I just <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, we had we. We had our we had our goal that this needs to be the best canoe polo tournament in Finland ever, yeah. 
and uh, I feel that we we achieved that, and nobody said nobody has challenged that. So I think we nailed okay. it because there were also some other people. There were actually few players who have been in Finnish canoe polo since the beginning in the seventies. They were still present there and playing, and uh, they haven't challenged me. So I think I got it, or we. So then I just want to have a second question on that. There was canoe polo players in Finland in the 70s? Yes. Wow, I didn't expect that, to be on, to be honest. Yeah. I I know personally a few of those guys. And uh, it's it's from, I don't know, 78, I think, 77, 78. Yeah. And uh, it, started, it started in two ways, even. So... A lot of the people, some of the people, uh, learned the sport from German paddlers who moved to Finland. Okay. There were at least two German paddlers who moved to Finland and brought the sport. And uh, at the same time, some other people, some whitewater paddlers in Helsinki, uh, found this uh, uh, translation of a British great sports book or something like Suuri Urheilukirja. And it had of canoe polo uh, like it had the rules and the basic idea of the sport and the guy says well we could try this this sounds fun so pretty much at the same time some other people found new sport from a book this, this sounds fun and some other people were taught by German paddlers that this is fun and uh, we had canoe polo our first tournament was in 78 I think in Tapiola next to Helsinki That's funny. It's it's a real cool story. That's like yeah. a, it's like and a actually, treasure, and, a treasure, really, treasure in this podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, and some some of the players, uh, one of one one player in the Finnish championships. I hope he's also going to be present this year. Has been paddling from those days. I'm not quite sure if he was if Tahoe was playing in the first tournaments, but I think he was. And uh, another person, Jouni, uh, is going to be present, most likely. So uh, we have at least two players who have been into the sport from since the 70s. That's, that's, and still as a and player. Still, that's still as a player. That's what I say. I mean, we have also people from the oh. 70s who are still in the sport, but not as a player anymore, I guess. Uh, but when you when you said you have like a group of guys getting the sport from a British book, And also yeah. people who bring the sport from Germany. The rules in the 70s and 80s between British canoe polo and the German canoe polo was so different because in Germany we played like um, the canoe polo with the big boats on a with water polo goals and the the the, the pitches were 60 on 90 meters instead of the small pitch polo from GB. So yeah. did you play like different rules tournaments or no i think i think i think the canoe polo in finland has all the time been the british version. okay so i think the the only bigger bigger change to modern version is well addition of having actual helmets and face guards but that's the 90s uh, but uh They used to play with the veneer goals, like one 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 meter by one meter veneer plate. Yeah. That if the ball hit it or the goalie's paddle hit it, that was a goal. Ah, okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of the like footage, uh, like videos from uh, these days where 
they had only like the yeah what you say like the goals were only just a plate and when you hit it it was a yeah. goal that's interesting yeah, i'm just just asking because in germany we had like this um complete other rules and uh, i know from my old club members um when i was a kid and they told us ah the first time we went over to to gb to play polo they took the big boats the boats were so much bigger and heavier uh, to play polo because there was no internet they don't know how the sport was played in gb so they drove over with the big boats and uh then the british looked at them and then what are you doing with this hey we want to play polo and they said yeah but we can use these boats and <laughs> and they 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 rent uh, rent some boats from the from the british guys and then they played Uh, like first time ever uh, played these rules and uh, with against the British teams it was uh, quite a fun yeah. <laughs> yeah when you say you have a um, finished championship and you say you only have like eight teams so I guess that there's like a mixed team so women men um, in only the two or three years what you said where you have like three women teams and All, yeah. all playing together. Also, the juniors, if they are like kids, they're all playing together. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, only mixed teams. We've been trying to encourage if we have kid juniors, we've been trying to encourage them to have a junior team. But usually, you have the situation that you have one, one or two older juniors who are actually beating already the men, some some of the men's category players, yeah. and some are just really learning how to paddle forward. Yeah, so they don't want to form a team. So. It varies every year. Uh, we had, uh, for us several years, a women's team in my club, and uh, also there was, a, there were uh, we had a national women's team also that had some other women from other clubs. But uh, no, we have we haven't had a division or a class for uh, juniors yeah. or women for years. It's like juniors. I think we had somewhere around 2005. 2000, yeah, well, 2007 and nine, eight, nine, when I was coaching, and fortunately, at least some of those kids are still playing as adults nowadays. So I didn't, I didn't drive all of them away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the 90s, before I started playing myself, it was, uh, I've heard that there were, uh, I think there were classes even were 14, 16 year old, 18 year old, and uh, they had uh, maybe even first and second division for men and. Uh, women's championships and uh, there have been even that some year they had to play the Finnish championships on the four separate tournaments Wow! and still still the top teams wound up draw and they had to still do a penalty shot competition yeah. after four weekends of polo yeah and why why does the sport I mean um, is uh, getting smaller smaller or why became smaller When you had so many teams uh, and uh, like a lot of younger players, so why? Uh, well, if I knew this answer to that one, I would be. I would most likely make big money in Finnish yeah. sports because <laughs> it happened in every every sport. Oh, okay. Uh, it happened in canoe slalom. Uh, when I when I was a junior and paddling canoe slalom in '90s, there were a lot of families. It was a family sport. You you knew the player paddlers and you knew their families and. Uh, The families were organizing the tournaments, and we really had long. You you needed to have longer di distance between the first and second run because you didn't have time to go through all the starters before the second run. Yeah. But then everybody just 
kind of vanished okay. in the 2000s. Uh, the, the competitors, older uh, grown-ups, they just stopped paddling. They just vanished from the sport. Nobody coached anymore. And when the paddlers grew up and vanished from the sport, so, so did their parents. They went to do other things. And what I've heard, this has happened in a lot of sports. Okay. So uh, a lot of sports had to go like uh, take a prof more professional approach. They had to speed up the uh, expenses they take from the families because they had to have professional coach. Yeah. Because they didn't have any voluntary coaches anymore. The dad didn't want to coach the team anymore. They had to pay for a coach. And for that, you need to rank up the money. Yeah. And uh, paddling has never been a big sport in Finland, so we couldn't do that. So uh, at the moment, we're struggling. We don't have kids and we don't have people to, uh, to coach. Uh, coach the kids if we had kids. Okay, okay but... Um... So, are there plans to to get like kids back in the boat somehow? Yeah, Is there like a, with yeah. school corporations or I don't know universities or something? Well, with universities, I don't think if you can talk about kids. Yeah, anymore. that's true. That's yeah. true. They're a little late. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. There's also a difference. Uh, I started paddling when I was five year old, but what I understand is some a lot of people feel that that's too young it's like somewhere around 11 12 might be better but uh that there's there are differences of opinion there uh i personally just would want the kids to do sports and if it was paddling great yeah. if it was any paddling yeah. like sprint paddling touring whitewater paddling everything is good just do sports and i've been when i've been i've been a board member in our club or, or i'm not not at the moment but i was for 15 years or something. Yeah. Uh, I I was all the time, I didn't have the time myself or the ambition to be coaching kids that much. I, I was like, I was, I could run a training for them, but I wasn't going to commit to it for every, like two or three days a week. Yeah. So, uh, but I always wanted to have the kids like try everything because that's what I've done. I've paddled almost everything that you can paddle. Yeah. Or every other form of paddling has made me better at the other forms of paddling. Yeah. But yeah, uh, kids are difficult to find. They're, for example, in Helsinki, you can do everything in any any sport you can imagine in the world. You can find it in Helsinki. Yeah. So it's quite difficult to paddle with that. So we try everything. Some we try some some new things. We try to do some new things every year, but uh, uh, the results are quite small yeah. i mean and usually the people that you would have you would want to coach the kids they usually want to paddle themselves yeah and it's it's hard i mean i i i compare it now a little to um the us where i have a little inside view um when you when you bring kids to the club and and they start paddling they like to do it but they want to compete and if you have no other kids from other clubs or from somewhere else um, and they can't compete um, then they say okay why I'm doing this because I can play hockey yeah for example in Finland or or like doing cross-country skiing yeah to to write the cliches here but yeah. but and there I can compete every weekend yeah just say you can compete every weekend and kids if they do a sport they 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 want it because not only for competing but it's fun to compete and uh, so that is I can uh, totally understand that it's hard to to build uh, 
this up again so what was there in the 90s uh, i think it's it's really hard and tough to to make it yeah there's i think there's also been a shift in the, how grown-ups you that use their time and uh, well who am i to say i don't have kids myself yeah. and uh i i spend my spare time making myself better at polo yeah. instead of making somebody else's kids better at polo, at polo but that's pretty much the change that happened Uh, we had a few really promising kids that wanted to paddle slalom and canoe polo, yeah. the same kids, uh, in 2005 around. They were really awesome kids, really smart kids. And they actually, people even nowadays still talk about those two because they were kind of fun and curious kids. Uh, but uh, their parents didn't join the organizing. They Every, every parent has their different reason, but yeah. that's... But it's shown, shown. You don't see the parents at the sport. Yeah. They are. So uh, that's pretty much what happened. Because those parents were the ones who made, made the sport work. Yeah. When I was paddling slalom, everything was organized by the parents. There were like, uh, if there were like 100 people in the sport, there were like two or, two or three people who didn't have their kids involved. Yeah. So... Uh, The parents started doing their thing and they just like to dump the kids to do some sport. Yeah, I can. Well, that's a, that's a bit of an ugly way to say. I know a lot of parents who do it differently, but that's how it seems. Yeah. The parents are not there anymore for organizing the sport for their kids. They want to come and cheer their kids, but they don't want to spend their spare time organizing the boring stuff for the club. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Um, I, I always think when the parents are uh, more interested in what the kids are doing or what the clubs are doing and uh, and uh, offer help it also keeps the kids inside the clubs and the teams yeah so i think in yeah. germany as I, as i said there are a lot of uh, parents coming and i know from different clubs they're coming to the bringing to the practice talk with a coach helping for going to the tournament tournaments Uh, they don't have to set up tournaments, but they bring the kids to the tournaments. They stay with them. They help. Like when you have like a club with, we have some clubs in Germany. It's like going to the Deutschland Cup, especially next week. Some they go with like 40 or 50 uh, players going to a club, and the, the the parents help for cooking or for cleaning up or whatever. And uh, that I think gives a bigger bonding uh, with the kids and sports too. Yeah, but so I can. <laughs> I kind of see like an, uh, when you say that this happens in all kind of sports, so it, it's a different uh, subject, yeah, but it seems that there is like the, the work-life balance um, in Finland changed in the 90s. So that also yeah, well, other people have no time for like doing sports or doing other activi um, activities outside their work. So, so it sounds like it. it yeah, well, Well, some people have seen that uh, it was uh, partly because of the Great Depression, because there was a really bad depression in the in the 90s. Okay. And that was financially a big burden for a lot of families. Okay. So it might have dropped a lot of people. Well, you, if you don't have money, for, if you're really struggling for money for food, yeah. you don't have money for the kids' sports. Yeah. Especially and when you have the money, you... Yeah, and also if you were the kid who grew up in the poverty yeah. and then you get a, then you get educated you get some of your own money you might want to spend it on yourself if, if you have yeah. uh, really 
crappy childhood. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, like I said, if I actually knew the reason, I would make big money <laughs> lecturing about this for a club. Yeah, being a consultant for the but, government. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's not the case. This is just my own yeah. own conclusions yeah. on the situation. So, but sounds like a subject you should, should you should go on with and find out. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and we, we've tried it. We we tried to encourage the uh, parents to come along. We uh, my club, the Mary Melloyet in Helsinki, is uh, financially really stable. We are the, I think we are the biggest paddling club in Finland at the moment. Yeah. So uh, we we've been able to like. Uh, put some effort on other things. And for example, for the kids, we've, we've had a situation that if we have kids, their parents can join along and uh, they don't have to pay for the gasoline okay. and uh, food or something and just come along and see and maybe help help out with somehow like uh, like be on the trainings on the on the on the shore and use the timer and see yeah. how who was the fastest for everything, anything. Just come along and see how it works and maybe do something for the kids help with cooking or something yeah. and for that you get a free weekend but uh, we didn't have a single parent with us oh. and I always say like it also um, gives um, the parents an opportunity to find new friends yeah uh, so if, if the parents from the kids like uh, also bonding with each other um, and uh, oh those are nice people that's good uh, we found friends yeah over out, over the sport in the, in the club um, yeah. Um, so when we come back, so you have the national championship. Do you have other tournaments yeah. or like probably you, you have tournaments, like how many tournaments in, 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 in Finland and would it be an idea to, to cooperate with a, a Swedish teams or this, that the Swedish teams can play at the Finnish championships or is it impossible? Uh, well, the Finnish championships, it's uh, the schedule wise, we don't have at the moment. We, I don't think we could take a lot more. Okay, if that would be a positive power problem. So we, we would make it work. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, for some reason, our uh, Finnish championships are quite often at the same weekend as the Swedish. Ah, okay. And it's, it's, um, it's a really annoying thing. But uh, yeah, we haven't actually considered having other teams coming for the Finnish championship, but we've had tournaments with other people in uh, other other countries in Finland. We used to have uh, Meripola in Finland. Uh, it was uh, it was first organized in 1981, I think, and it had been it had at least the invitations had been sent every year yeah. until maybe 2014, 2015. Uh, that might have been the first year that we didn't have Meripola. Because uh, always the all the weekends that we were that we could make work that when we can organize it, they just happen to coincide with some foreign tournaments that some other teams and the, all the foreign teams went there. So Russian teams used to come to Meripola every year yeah. since 2003 to 2010, 2012 or something. But then they, the Russian level started getting better and they started going to European tournaments. Yeah instead so we start, we had to compete with european tournaments and uh, when you have a finnish finnish like division two players against like essen or uh, amsterdam open or something yeah. it's uh, 
it's a no-brainer. Finland was losing. So uh, and for some reason also the Finnish clubs stopped coming. So but it varies. We try to organize two to three other open tournaments or uh, other bigger tournaments a year. Yeah. Apart from the national championships. And then we have also this kind of a second division uh, pool tournament series called uh, Suomi Cup. Yeah. Suomi is Finland in Finnish. And, uh, but that's like a second division tournament because it's really small pools. So first division players are a bit frowned upon there. So it's more like something fun to do for the second division players because mostly the first division players, they can stay motivated during, during the winter because they know that when the summer comes, we can go to a European tournament. Yeah. And we've been, we've been also the Udense or something. But yeah, that's about the amount of Finnish tournaments, two to three tournaments on the summer and uh, two to three pool tournaments in the winter. Oh, well, maybe four in the winter. Okay, then I will give you just a question. Wouldn't it be cool to make a summer tournament in the north of Finland somewhere where the sun um, doesn't go down so you can play like a midnight tournament in the sun i would yeah come it for would that. be awesome yeah we it's it's true we have the uh, uh nightless nights or however you could call it in english i don't know uh, the sun yeah. really doesn't go down it's it's like uh in europe what you in germany maybe like 11 in the morning 11 a.m yeah. that's the darkest you get the whole day yeah in Lapland and uh, and uh, you would really have to take it to the really northern Lapland where it's proper Lapland yeah. it's like you don't have trees you have just some really withering bushes and everything and everything's uh, not flat a bit hilly but nothing really steep because that's how Finland yeah. is in the Lapland yeah. and there are some really beautiful small lakes or ponds there it would take a lot of effort And it would be really big of a deal for the teams to come because it's uh, that would be like 15-hour drive from Helsinki. Oh, okay. And uh, the airliners that fly to Finland, there is an there are north there are airports in the north also, but most of the airliners that fly to Finland or out from Finland, they don't take polo boats. Okay, so I need to find someone who brings my boat, and then I can fly. Yeah. Maybe Sweden might be able to help. They have nicer airliners there. Yeah. But uh, then there's a, a bit of a problem that it's full of mosquitoes and uh, this little bugger uh. called uh, Makarainen. And it's like uh, you can't keep your mouth open when you paddle because you're going to choke on them. There's a lot of those okay. when the night is beautiful. Okay, you, you, you shouldn't say that because it's not a good advertising <laughs> right now. <laughs> I just thought it would be a nice idea. I mean, it, it would be awesome. no one, no it one else can offer that. So, yeah. yeah. So the Sweden, yeah, the Sweden actually, can, the Swedish can, but <laughs> Swedes can. We we have to go to Mats and Eva Lindmark. Yeah. So uh, you you are joining. Uh, so you're going to Swedish tournaments with the Finnish teams. Doesn't well, no, no, not actually. We've gone to Russian tournaments and Danish tournaments. Okay. Not so many Swedish tournaments. Yeah. Uh, I actually don't know why. Uh, there is a Järfalla tournament, but it's uh, it's in a short pool. Yeah. But it's been a really fun. But it also shows the commitment that you have to have to, draw, to play canoe polo if you're a Finn. 
the Jarfala Polo tournament is a Saturday evening. It usually starts around four and ends right before midnight. Okay. And it's only one evening. Yeah. And in order to join that tournament, you need to leave Finland on Friday after your work day yeah. on a ferry. And then you have two options after the tournament. You either wake up at 6 or 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning and try to catch the first ferry. Yeah. Or you have to take the evening ferry, which takes you to Finland on a Monday morning. Okay, so I can see that there's uh, um, big issues with the traveling from yeah, and to Finland. Yeah, that's uh, we are we are not an island, but we are not far from it. Yeah, and you, you yeah uh, uh, you don't belong to Scandinavia, is it right? I just um, I always thought that Finland is Scandinavia, but then I read somewhere that Finland isn't. Yeah, that's uh, I might be able to explain this in uh, uh, in uh, Finnish. But uh, in English, I don't know the proper terms. But yeah, yeah Scandinavia is, uh, I think it's based on geography. Yeah. And Finland is part of the landmass, same landmass with Russia. See. So uh, so uh, we're not Scandinavia per se. So uh, we're one of the Nordic countries. But uh, in spoken language, we are part of Scandinavia. But if you go nitpicking with the technical details, I think we're not part of Scandinavia. But This is not, I don't remember this well enough. I should have seen this question coming. But yeah, I didn't prepare for this one. I'm sorry. I I, I, saw, uh, no, no, no. I, I just uh, sent you the guideline like everyone else, but I j it just came up in my mind because we had uh, like a dis no, 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 no. I had, I had discussion with my mom um, some years ago uh, and I asked her which countries belong to Scandinavia. And she said, yeah, oh, and she is a geographic teacher. Um, Yeah, but uh, now retired, so to her defense, but no, but uh, she saw she said also Finland belongs to Scandinavia, and I said, No, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think geographically Finland isn't part of Scandinavia, yeah. but uh, mentally we feel like we're part of the Scandinavia, yeah. but I don't know, maybe it's like historically Finland hasn't yeah. want, doesn't want to be Russia, <laughs> okay? A, yeah, yeah, that's a whole different thing, but yeah, I, I think I, I think I managed to explain it uh, that was right and you're well. technically you're right you're correct yeah thank you then my mom <laughs> can listen to that and then <laughs> she will not understand probably okay um yeah thank you thank you for that small uh, outside <laughs> view out of polo um yeah you, you you said you had a coach but he was a finnish guy but did you ever before brought coaches from somewhere else to 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 get you better knowledge or uh, like to um train you teach you um during the time that i've paddled polo since 2003 2004 uh we haven't had a foreign or we had a the men's national team they got a they put a national team up around 2007 2008 I wasn't involved in that, and they had a Belgium teacher who and coach who had a con Finnish contact. I think he partly lived in Finland, but I don't, I don't, I wasn't involved in that situation, so I don't know, know that much. Uh, but uh, otherwise, no, we haven't had foreign teachers. But 
I have or to like training really camps, like like coaches who run training camps to to get a, I don't know, like uh, invite them over and then they do a yeah. training camp. Yeah, no, we haven't we haven't had that, but I have to give a really good shout out to the Swedish polo camp. Yeah. I hope they still organize it. It's in Luleå, and uh, and uh, it's I think it starts on the Sunday evening and it goes on to Thursday afternoon or something like that. So like four 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 uh, to five days. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And the and uh, they have exceptionally good coaches there. There was uh, a Dutch uh, national team coach was there one year. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, James Mitchell has been there. Tony Lenz awesome. has been there. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, so uh, there have been really good coaches, awesome coaches. And uh, uh, I have been to the camp three or four times. Uh, the Swedish men's national team is usually there. The women's team is there. But there are also almost absolute beginners. We've had second division, Finnish second division players also join us there so it's for all different levels so uh it's been awesome and uh even though it hasn't been kind of like official finnish participation with them have been single members but uh it it has had made a it, it's made a great deal for finnish canoe polo nowadays because in the beginning of 2000 there was a kind of like a, at the same time as, as the other sports lost the paddlers also canoe polo lost a lot of paddlers and for a few years there was a really silent time in finnish polo just when i started paddling everybody vanished or i started paddling polo everybody vanished yeah. but the swedish polo camp has been really helpful for us okay so and everybody can join that that camp or is it uh, only swedish and finnish people or Every, everybody can so uh, I, I could I could just uh, go there as a German player and say okay I want to join and I put the fee probably so I have to pay something for it. Yeah, but it's really minuscule fee. It's yeah. just to cover the expenses. Oh, that's... so uh, but Holger, they would want you as a coach there. <sighs> Don't say that. But um, if you're interested, just let me know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there have been people from uh, I think when I I've been there. I think there have been people. From Finland and Sweden, but also USA and huh. uh, uh, Holland, I think. That's cool. Netherlands. I never heard about yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really awesome. That's cool. Sounds so. sounds awesome. And my last visit to Sweden is a long time ago, so probably put it on my list <laughs> next to the Finnish tournament. Did you did you advertise your Finnish tournaments on the European Kanu Polo tournaments side? From Hans? Uh, no, it's uh, during the time that Hans's journal, uh, the schedule has been on. Our tournaments haven't been nothing to brag about. So we haven't. Uh, I don't think we have advertised there. When there was the Canoe Polo Forum, uh, I think we did have our uh, tournaments there, advertised there. Yeah. But yeah, no, we've only had Russian and Swedish paddlers and Finnish tournaments. That might be a reason that we didn't advertise them well then. Yeah. And at the moment, I don't think we have, uh, because we've seen what the uh, bigger tournaments are around the world. Yeah. Uh, we are quite far away. Uh, there's, I think my club is the only club in Finland who might be able to muster two pitches 
at the same yeah. time. At the moment, we only have one pitch set up. Yeah, but yeah, okay. So you say you can't host a big tournament right now. Uh, it would take a lot of effort, and I fear that we might not have the volunteers yeah. for that, yeah. or we might have it for one year and then they would vanish from the sport. But, but maybe, maybe if some of the Finnish organizers are listening to this podcast and they want to prove me wrong i i really encourage that and put it on your list because i'm in an age right now so i'm not playing the first league right now so i always search for tournaments i've never played so and probably there are some other players like me um and they said oh i've never been in finland um just give it a try and combine it with some polo so put this yeah. put the tournaments like spread the word then probably i i mean i'm sure you did that That could be an interesting tournament for sure for me to come. And I'm sure there are some yeah. other players who would just say, okay, yeah, um, just go there. I did draw the big, I did draw the pictures when we had the, the tournament at Gusia that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Uh, for that first year, we realized that we can make this, this kind of like a recurring thing. Yeah. So for the second year, we made sure that we could actually just, uh, we had everything on carabiners so we could take our, clubhouse pitch it took like 15 minutes to get it off water and then a few hours to load it on the truck and then take to another location and we had extra weights and everything so we could put up the new pitch and if you just set it up it takes like 15 minutes to take up take the pitch apart yeah. and 15 minutes to set it up so we could do it on another location and we did that intentionally because there was a, i'm an engineer myself and then there was another engineer interested in the thing so we kind of like We tried to see forward, and after the tournament, I drew a map of having four pitches next to our clubhouse. Yeah, the clubhouse island couldn't host that many players, but we could at least have the pitches. Yeah. So you have clubhouses in Finland. Yeah, that sounds. Uh, it varies. Oh, it varies. Okay. It varies. Uh, there are my. My club has an awesome situation. We have a historical location in the center of Helsinki. We are on a small island. Yeah. And uh, we have, uh, after each of the polo practices, we can go to sauna. And after the sauna, we can sit on the, uh, on the on a bench outside the sauna building and look at the sunset in the center of Helsinki. Yeah. You can go swimming there. and it's uh, We have a really beautiful location and awesome situation when you don't have uh, like a 200 polo paddlers at the same time on the island. <laughs> if you like, if you have like 20 at the same time, you can manage, but if you have 200. Yeah. So you, you, your club is on an island? A small island but in the center of Helsinki, oh, right next to Helsinki. Right? But there's a bridge right where you have to, to you have to take a boat to yeah. go over to the clubhouse. No, no, it's a bridge. Ah, it's a bridge, okay. but you have to walk the stuff. You can't drive a car. Ah, okay. You can push the trailer over, but uh, ah, okay, yeah. yes. And it's a it's a really really close to the land, so it's like like fifteen meters, twenty meters, but it's a like small island just for our club. I I I just saying, I'm just seeing me there, yeah coming over <laughs> going to the sauna after practice and uh, yeah. seeing the sunset and I have a really uh, good friend um, he really loves to go to the sauna so I try <laughs> to convince him <laughs> okay yeah. um, in Finland I just have to ask it because I mean you are uh, country is laying in the north so how long is the polo season there how long can you go on the water um, how long 
in the year um, you can play polo? Um, the season starts when the ice ice breaks. Yeah. So it's uh, at the end of March, beginning of April yeah. in Helsinki. And which it varies every year, but we usually, when we are really motivated, when we know that there are going to be tournaments abroad, uh, we're going to put up the pitch right after the ice goes away. And then the first division players start practicing uh, like a few times a week. And then at the middle of May, end of May, the rest of the paddlers start coming. Okay. And the really lazy ones come after midsummer first. <laughs> <laughs> When the water is really warm, yeah. it starts to get warm, and uh, it varies a bit. Uh, in Finland, that's that's the situation. In Helsinki, I think Jyväskylä uh, might be a few weeks or a month behind us. Jyväskylä is like three hundred kilometers north. Okay. And but and in the when the winter comes, the cold is one thing, but actually the winter time is problem for yeah. us because uh, we're a small sport. We don't have light lights on the pitches. Yeah. So when we change from summertime to wintertime, you lose an hour of the day. So it's the mid mid August, mid October when you just you need to go go paddling in the pool. It's really cold and you don't have natural light. Now I can see why you have the sauna. When you, when you <laughs> yeah. say you start the, you start the, right after after um after the ice is away, then I can see that you go want to go in the sauna after. Yeah, and also uh, it really starts getting cold uh, around September yeah. usually. So a lot of people, there are not that many people training in October. It's like maybe four or six people at the trainings in October. What are you doing when the when there's ice? Are you playing hockey on your pond? It varies. Uh, well, other people other people like to ski. I I I don't. I don't myself, I don't even own skis at the moment. I try to cycle through the winter and uh, go to the gym and that kind of stuff. And we have pool practices. Oh, you have? Not during the COVID, not during the COVID, yeah. but we have pool practices. But none of the Finnish teams have a 50-meter pool. So all the pools are 25-meter pools. Okay. And some are really narrow and uh, the ceiling is really low. So there are a lot of, situ lot of things that make it almost impossible to play polo in Finland, but we haven't let that slow us down too much. That is um, awesome. And uh, I admire your passion. Um, you're, you're like putting into and like you. Yeah, like your passion for the sports. I really I, I really do. Because when you, when you say you start like playing polo in April or a little higher than in May, and you have to stop in September, and it's just like, Uh, really, um, yeah, less months. I mean, you say it's already really cold in April and still in, in September or already in September, then uh, the fun is also going down. And when I really appreciate that you're doing this because it's always good to have polo players in all kind of countries. So um, we already talked a little bit about the national team and uh, also about the, um, the coaches and stuff. And just from what I heard, I I guess that there are not that many players who will try out for the national team. Is that right? Yeah, it's a it's a kind of a sad situation. Uh, it's a, 
it would be a lot easier to put up a national team if you had like a, a roster of like 20 or 50 paddlers yeah. that you choose the team, team, team from. And now we have usually like 10, 8 to 12 paddlers maybe that you choose the team from. Yeah. And it sucks to be left out. And it sucks for the team also to leave somebody out. And uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. Some of those people who have been, for some reason or another, been left out the national team, they are not in the sport anymore. Yeah. And uh, I hope it wasn't because they didn't get elected to that year. And uh, fortunately, we go abroad uh, for open tournaments. And not everybody can make every t- every trip. Yeah. So usually the other people who are in the roster for the national team have at least the possibility to go to a first division tournament in Europe. Okay. Because uh, on a good year, we sent a team, either a national team or a club team, to first division tournaments maybe 10 to 12 times. Okay. So that's a lot of tournaments. For uh, for for traveling from Finland, so we usually try to get all of the paddlers who are, want to paddle with the national team to go at least some tournaments. So getting left being left out from the national team wouldn't be that much of a deal. But uh, hope that hasn't been the reason for some people. And most likely, usually people they just move to another city for studies, and they just happen doesn't have, happen to be polo there. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, I can totally understand that people cannot go to every tournament. I mean, how long are you driving to to a tournament? Let's say to Essen. How how long is it traveling? Uh, Or Amsterdam? It's um, yeah. Those are really good examples because we, because we've been there quite often. Yeah. Um, the driving is one thing. I think it's fifteen uh, to eighteen hours of driving, but that driving starts from Stockholm. You have to get to Stockholm first, and that's an overnight ferry. Oh, so if you want to really put an effort, actually Essen is awesome uh, because it starts on Friday. Yeah, yeah. isn't uh, yeah. So if the tournament starts on Friday, your gear needs to be there on Friday morning, and uh, so that the driver could get some rest. There, the gear needs to be there on Thursday, and 18 hours back from there, the driver usually needs to start. Uh, the trip on Tuesday yeah. or or a Wednesday early. Uh, yeah. They can start. They can start a, on a Wednesday morning ferry and then drive uh, be in Stockholm at the evening and then drive all all through the night. Or they can uh, they can start on like Tuesday afternoon yeah. and then be there on the Wednesday morning and then try drive or oh, okay actually Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon and then drive through Thursday and then be on a tournament on Friday. Okay. But you need to take count an extra day for the traveling because of the ferry. And and a day and a day extra back. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so uh, it's almost it's almost found, a week when you go to a three day tournament in Essen. Yeah, that is. And that's why Uh, Essen and Amsterdam tournaments being so close to each other has been a blessing for us. Yeah, so you st- and one year we so one year we managed to even do that. We had players in Amsterdam tournament, Essen tournament, and few of us even went to Prague tournament the next weekend because that yeah. year they happened to be week apart if, of each other. 
Yeah. So we try to find two tournaments so that uh, uh, we've had situations that one person drives the gear and stays there for the whole time. We've had situations that one drives the gear and flies back and some other person drives the gear to the next <laughs> tournament. And uh, so we've had different variations. Yeah. But we try to usually find two or three tournaments that we can participate. And we might have, uh, like first time we went to Amsterdam, yeah. we had gear for, I think we have 17 boats with us because we had two teams uh, in Essen and two, team, one, uh, two teams, no, one team in Amsterdam. And uh, the combination of the paddlers changed. Some people went to only Essen and yeah. some people went to only Amsterdam and some went all. Okay, so yeah, you some are staying the whole time, some are going, okay. I can, yeah, I mean, makes sense to, to stay that. I did that with my uh, US woman. They came over to go to Essen tournament, and then they stayed in Berlin for for the week, and then we uh, made the next tournament in Prague. Uh, so within ten days, we had like uh, five days of tournaments and uh, four days of training camp. Um, so it was worse to come over here. Um, yeah, we actually one year we were discussing about the foreign coach. One idea that we had was that uh, uh, we would have. Uh, kind of like went to, for example, Prague, yeah. like somebody would drive the gear there and then the players would just fly to Prague and spend a week there with another coach. Yeah. If the, we didn't discuss this with the Prague people. So if you're listening to, this is something we had in mind. <laughs> we didn't discuss this with you. It's just an idea that we threw around. Yeah. And uh, uh, that might've been one situation. So we would have just like hired a European coach for, for one week. Yeah. Or something like that. that was an idea and uh, it's still on the table so if you know any good coaches in Europe you might be interested in that and also we've uh, several times we've uh, stayed the week at, at Amsterdam Clubhouse yeah uh, really grateful for those people in uh, there because uh, it's been a good place to crash and uh, train yeah. during the week between tournaments yeah, I, I really, I, I only was once in uh, the Amsterdam Open, but it was really nice. I really liked the tournament and I really also liked the um, the clubhouse and the, um, like the venue. It was uh, pretty good. Yeah. Okay, um, so, and how was it with the coaches? You always say you hire coaches. So your coaches get paid from the federation or your coaches get paid from the players or they have to play uh, pay for themselves? And how was it in general with like, financial support from clubs or the government is there something uh, the federation gets money from uh, the government uh, some of it comes from the olympic committee yeah. because there are olympic sports in happening yeah. and uh, some comes from the i think opetus ministry the ministry of studies I, I i don't know i'm not involved with the federation politics okay. so i don't know the situation at the moment uh it varies I think we have paid coaches for sprint paddlers. Uh, the canoe polo coaches, if they have gotten paid, it's been like uh, like daily allowances. I don't think they get proper pay at any time, yeah. but they we try to cover their expenses. Yeah, uh, we have for the size of the sport, we've got uh, re like a fairly good money from the federation, and uh, as a national team, we usually opted for the coach. So the players usually 
pay pretty much everything themselves. Okay. Except from the accreditation for Europeans or World Championship. Okay. So, and uh, we, and then the money goes to the coaches' trips. But uh, for example, 2019, the coach uh, paid some of it, some of it by himself. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, I heard it only afterwards. But uh, yeah, it's uh, no, we don't pay, but we try to cover it. Yeah. But what we were discussing about the European, uh, like having a uh, some visiting coach, I think we, we were discussing about paying the person, of course, if they were not really passionate about doing work for Finnish canoe polo, of course, they need to be reimbursed for their trouble. Yeah, I, I, I can always say, I, I mean, it's, I think in most countries, what I've heard is that the coaches are not getting like a salary or something, they just get covered their costs. But yeah, I really appreciate the work you put into the Kanu Polo in Finland and uh, that you you, you and some others are stay motivated because of the costs and the time which you spend for for all the uh, all the tournaments. And uh, yeah, so what keeps you driving to develop this sport and what are the goals for the Finnish Kanu Polo or national team? And uh, well, for the national team, we're just wanted to get better. Yeah. We've been we've been last in tournaments, really annoyingly. But uh, we've been on the lower third or lower quarter yeah. of the results list, and we've strived to get on the upper half. We wanted to get closer to the top ten worlds or something like yeah. that. And uh, we've made small progress, slow progress, and uh, as uh, like a club team or a, our national team visiting some club tournaments. We've made some progress. So we've been, I think, fifth or sixth on the first division on some bigger tournaments. We did really well in 2019 in Helmond and Amsterdam. Yeah. So uh, we've made progress. And we've, like, in 2019, the Europeans, we really bombed it. It was like a really bad result for us. Just, we didn't get our game going at all. Yeah. But uh, the week, like two weeks before it, we went to in the uh, Gecko tournament in Belgium, and we battled quite well there. We beat some some really big teams, some European like national teams, yeah. and uh, so uh, it's uh, we just need to get the game results to be more sure, or like uh, we we need to get the game going every time, not just a good day. Yeah. I mean, I re but we want to be closer to the top. Yeah, I mean, I remember the. I think it was the first game in the European Championship from my German team, men team against Finland, and I think it was just two zero at halftime. So um, we had some some problems to score uh, goals against you in the first half. I think the second was like seven one or seven two in the end, but um, so. As you said, I mean, you made the progress in like 2-0 um, and we really struggled to, to score on this first half. And, yeah, we. Uh, I think the toughest games in Kanu Polo that I've played ever were like the games against German, German men's team and the Belgian men's team in 2019, both in the, the uh, Gecko tournament and both in, and, uh, yeah. in Coimbra. Yeah. But both were 
all that all those games were really awesome and we were really happy with our own game yeah so uh, we managed to even score against the germans yeah <laughs> I remember. I, I was there. <laughs> and as a coach, you're never happy about yeah, that. But, but now I can yeah. uh, laugh about it. But yeah, actually, the def defense is something we were. If you're if you're the if you're the underdog all the time in the tournaments, yeah. you're at the end of the uh, scoreboard. You're actually your your defense is going to get some exercise. So we have a quite a good goalie nowadays, and uh, our defense is quite strong. Yeah. That's that's true. You get that's that's true. Most of the times you get better, more uh, more time in defense against better teams um, yeah. when you're able to to come back after uh, after the offense. I mean, it's, it helps. I'm sure. Yeah. So, and with the national team, you you also do you always have like training camps, and are you doing like um, training camps with other countries together? I can I now know that the German man and the Danish man had a training camp like two two weeks ago together. Uh, are you planning on doing stuff like this or are you doing stuff like this? Probably with the Russian? Uh, we, we've had some discussions with the Russians. Yeah. And uh, and like I said earlier, we the Swedes always invite us to the Swedish polo camp. Yeah. But we haven't had uh, like official cooperation with on the national level. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, don't, uh, doesn't mean has to be official, but I mean, you can yeah, just say. I, I uh, no, we we haven't had that, but uh, we've had some. We've and the Swedes when they have and the Russians when they visited Finnish tournaments, we also had discussions about coaching and some trainings together. And uh, actually, 2019 when we went to Gecko, the Belgian. The hosts were really eager to have us in there, and they was like, they were like, "Hey, come to come here on the winter time. We can you can fly without boats. We just once you're here, you're playing well, and uh, come here and train with us." So that was actually something we were discussing, but uh, then the COVID. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I can uh, yeah, relate it, to that. It's been, <laughs> it, it, Just stopped everything. Yes. So, so there was COVID also in Finland. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard about this. No, <laughs> I didn't. So yeah, but then yeah, we come to the next topic. Um. So. So how was the uh, Kano Polo uh, in Finland influenced by the pandemic? A lot. It's like uh, uh, on the summertime, the practices. Practices were actually rolling quite normally okay. because uh, we we don't have that many people. It's on the first division practices we rarely have ten people on the ah, okay. So we're usually flying under the radar of the restrictions. <laughs> I mean, so, at uh, least there's an we advantage. We didn't have to worry about at them. least there's an yeah, advantage. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, maybe an advantage we didn't like to have. But in the winter time, we would we were supposed to have polo practice, and uh, we couldn't. So, uh, because the, all the pools were closed, yeah. it's like we had uh, the first thing they they just closed all the pools. They didn't let anybody there, so you couldn't have pool practices. And then at some point, they were telling that uh, this winter they told that uh, on one pool that hey, actually you can have your practices here, so you can come here, but you have to wear the Man. the, the uh, face mask yeah. uh, everywhere else but the pool. So I'm, I'm not quite sure about the showers, but still, you need to wear the face mask everywhere. 
you can only have one paddler on one track on the pool. Oh, which doesn't quite work for playing canoe polo. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> not that nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think they they were rules for uh, like uh, swimming athletes. Yeah, like sure. Training, training, swimming. Uh, we were discussing the possibility. You, there were some alleviations if you were uh, like a, a national teams, national team athlete or national team trainings, or you were uh, really training for international success. Then you could get an exception, exception for your trainings, but we. Kind of figured that yeah i think that's for the professional athletes and not for us who actually do this on our spare time yeah. so we didn't try to push the envelope on that one okay yeah. so, so uh, you, you could practice outside but the winter was hard because nobody was uh, able to go into the pools yeah. yeah okay so and how often do you normally train i mean you or your club uh we have a polo practice uh I go two to three times a week, yeah. and uh, and then all the other training is on everybody else's on, on their own personal responsibility. Yeah, so you and you like we, weightlifting we or endurance. Yeah, uh, everybody is everybody does that on their own. Some people do it together, but uh, it's not a team training. Yeah, and uh, also if you want, there are second division trainings in our clubhouse twice a week, so you could get five times. Five, five times a week training at our clubhouse. Yeah. And uh, this year, because we don't have the pitch on the Lohja club, because of all of our national team players are members at the moment of uh, Lohja Melavantajat. It's a city, 40, uh, half an hour drive, 45 minutes from Helsinki. All our members of Melavantajat and most are members of Merimelojat out of uh, practicality so we can participate on both trainings and actually the team that you usually see the finish some finished team on the first division tournament in europe it's the most likely melan yeah club team because we train as a team like uh, we train as a club team for the international games just to go there uh, to the big tournaments and have some proper high level kind of polo and then we also just happens to be the same people who train as the national team. So some years where you can have like uh, even four, might even get four first level, first division training week, but, but still it's always like six to six to 10 people. On yeah. The so it's hard to, to make a five on five with six people. Yeah. It's like maybe five times a year, five times during the summer that we actually get proper five, uh, five against five games like two times this year okay yeah uh, i mean that uh, i don't want to say that but that sucks um if yeah. you if you, so if, if you want actually, to the level that you, to develop then uh, five on five is uh one of yeah them. we we every now and then we stop and wonder how we even get even got that on that level that we are in european kind of polo yeah. because it seems that we're just in hardship against hardship and uh, is there like a chance to how how close is the next club team from yours so is there a possibility to to train with them together or something oh yeah there's uh, uh there are cl three clubs close to each other yeah. uh helsinki okay. uh, helsinki has one canoe polo club we have like i don't know almost 
20 paddling clubs in Helsinki, but only one canoe polo. Okay. There are only one club doing canoe polo. And then there's uh, Nummela, is uh, like 20 meters, 20 minutes, 30 minutes away. And Lohja is the next one, 15 minutes, so- 10, 10 to 15 minutes further. So we are clo- three club, three uh, towns close to each other. Yeah. And we, we have some, well, not regular trainings together, but for example, some of our members are, there are a lot of mem- dual memberships because people go to several uh, pool sessions or uh, op- open water sessions. Okay, so first so, division and second division. So you already uh, like the, the the people of your club are also member in the other club. Um, so yeah. there's, um, so you can uh, mix the practice, um, and you can go to both team practices. Yeah. Ah, okay, that's that's interesting. So, but but yeah, there but is it also, but, it, it it also makes it difficult to find your own tactic for the Finnish championship. You know, <laughs> always train with your opponent. <laughs> Well, that's that's true. I didn't I didn't see that. Yeah, we we it was my new club. Uh, we we were lu- we are lucky enough to um, to have the half a Brüder. The right now they're the first in the like the first seat in the German first division. Um, so once in a while we can uh, drive o- paddle over there. It's like a kilometer, if it is in a kilometer. Mm-hmm. We can just paddle over there and uh, have a five on five or. Um, a game and a practice game so it's quite good for us to stay in shape and uh, see how fast you can play that sport yeah. <laughs> and uh, also good a, for them we... to to see the old old people um still competing on the level and have some um also some skills still left <laughs> yeah well we we also we have some uh training camps that we can mix teams. Yeah. Like last weekend, we had a training camp in Jyväskylä that had paddlers from all levels in Finland. And we divided them on two groups, like A group and B group, and they had trainings. And uh, we also had a tournament, small tournament within the groups yeah. oh. in the end. And we try to do something like that, uh, either a whole weekend on then, or then uh, like a mini camp yeah. that starts in like saturday or sunday morning and it ends in the evening so you have a day of polo yeah. and those been really those have been really liked and successful especially the one day ones because uh, it's easy to go there it just takes one day of your week yeah that's that's true especially when you have like family or something um or mm. a partner you want to see in the weekend then it's always hard to uh, oh yeah um it's nice to see you but i'm in polo for the next three days <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but as we said before, um, national team, there's a European Championship. You have to come. Um, not only because I always like uh, people from all over the con- uh, um, continent coming there and uh, talk to them and uh, see uh, see them play, but also of your clothing. Your, <laughs> I know, I know from. Uh, from the closing exchange uh, in the end of the tournament, that the finish uh, closing is quite uh, um, likable. Why is that? Yeah, quite sought after. Yeah. Quite sought after. Yeah, it must be our uh, peculiar language. Yeah, uh, we try to get the federation to uh, print the Finnish name of the sport on the back. 
they they want to do some kayak team Finland yeah. or something like that. They're building a brand for the sprint paddlers to go to the Olympics and everything. But I've always been on the side of Kanoti uh, Polo, which is Kanu Polo in Finnish. Yeah. It when written down, it looks nothing like Kanu yeah. Polo. Well. It's longer. <laughs> yeah. I just remember. I just remember when my under 21 coach in 2002, I think in 2002 yeah. in Essen, he was so. Oh, I need to one have one of these. I need to one have one of these, and uh, and he was able to to get one um, in 2002, mm -hmm. and uh, he still. Uh, so the last time I saw him, he, he still he was still wearing it. So um, uh, that is uh, really nice and uh, just uh, every. What I remind uh, to about the Finnish Kanu Polo next to the nice people yeah. and uh, who I like to talk to, but uh, also that was uh, I think fun. Okay, um, we are already long term into that, so um, we going back to our uh, <laughs> we we go on to the. Um, yeah, the last category in every podcast is tradition now. It's a big five um, category, yeah. and uh, so you 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 brought up a, a nice uh, suggestion for the big five, and uh, I don't know if I find five right now because I was like a little um, surprised of that, but it's non-polo inc incidents on polo trips. So yeah. uh, funny funny like stories or what happened uh, on polo trips. Yeah, was... because I feel that we've had our fair share of uh, odd things. Yeah, and I couldn't even fit all of the best <laughs> ones. So the then, probably you put like um, for me like a number one and number two also in there because I, I really have to to think uh, a little um, about about five five of them. Whew. But um, <laughs> so to to give me a little time. Um, And I, I really don't know if I find something out, but I would say you just start. Okay. Uh, I think um, number five on my list is uh, uh, the uh, beautiful St. Petersburg in Russia. It's a small, it's a big town, European town at the mouth of River Neva. Yeah. And they have a really beautiful scene of uh, lifting up all the drawbridges crossing the River Neva yeah. for the night. It's like a really beautiful tourist attraction. It's like all the bridges are lit up and the town is lit up and it's night and yeah. the river is beautiful. It's really beautiful scenery. Not so fun if you're supposed to be on the other side of the river getting some shut eye, getting some sleep for the Panopolo tournament. Because it was so bright and uh, <laughs> loud. No, no, it, no. Uh, we were trying to go to the tournament, but uh, for some reason the border control was really slow, and they didn't let anybody, any Finnish people through. All the Russian people went through, but all the Finnish cars had to wait, and we spent five to six hours just sitting at the border, waiting for our turn. Okay. And we missed missed the time that the bridges were down. We took a wrong turn and we didn't. We weren't supposed to go through the city. Okay. But we just come to the city and oh, the bridges are up. Okay, well, we'll have a break and look around. And we were looking around and after 15 minutes, guys, was it the tourist attraction that all the bridges are up? 
It was it was like something 11 p.m. or or no, it was even late. It was past midnight, and all the bridges were up, and we were supposed to get on the other side of the river. Yeah, but there was no because way because we had still hours to drive. <laughs> so uh, it was really nice looking, but a bit bit we felt a bit anxious because we need to find a way to cross the river. Yeah. Fortunately, nowadays there are a few few bridges, but they are not advertised. So we really had to start driving around and finding the bridge. Oh, okay. So uh, yeah, so you 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 drove some hours longer, as I, I guess. Yeah, we spent like a, almost an hour extra trying to find our find a way over the river, yeah. and we were already late. We were supposed to be sleeping at that time. <laughs> the team leader meeting was supposed to be at eight in the morning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, a nice story, um, and yeah, interesting. But this happens on road trips, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I will go. Uh, I I found already one. Um, so I was playing in the CPS league, uh, attending a CPS league in China in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, two thousand nineteen, and uh, we had uh, one day off before uh we started the tournament and uh some yeah some some players and and also me we just uh, we want to do something and there was uh we we made a a bike tour around the lake next to ningbo yeah and uh we said oh we didn't have like a map or something but we said oh we just stay next to the lake and then we come back because i mean you just drive yeah but on the one hand we we turned right uh, back to the lake And uh, it wasn't a good idea <laughs> because um, we drove down and there was like an a, like a, a dead end of the of the street, and uh, we just wanted to go back and uh, drive back up the street. But in the end of the road, there was like an, a Chinese army um, base, and uh, in the moment they saw us driving down there, they ran out of the <laughs> from the um, from the entrance and uh, like with the with the guns in their hands and we like okay um stop 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 okay and then we stopped i mean um and nobody had a passport with him and we said we tried to to explain with hand and feet like okay we are just sport guys doing polo and uh, showed the cps shirts and stuff and uh yeah after a while of um hand and feet discussion we were able uh we con we could convince them that we are not like spies or something we just wanted to do like a bike ride around the lake and uh yeah that was uh scary but i mean also funny and uh nice to 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 talk about now <laughs> it's it's a accidental meeting with uh chinese army sounds like fun uh, yeah i mean now we can we can we can laugh about it but uh that was a little scary in that moment i can <laughs> say that yeah uh My uh, my number four is uh, my car trying to. Uh, do you know the uh, TV series uh, Night Rider? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have uh, Seat Toledo. Seat Toledo. Yeah, uh, my my car was nothing like uh, Kit, but it tried to be Kit because uh, just before one polo trip, it broke a bit. It, it was a diesel engine and uh, the turbo failed. For some reason, it didn't give output. I had it repaired. It was running well. We started going on the trip, and the turbo failed. 
it's just, you could go barely 80 hour, 80 kilometers an hour on downhill. Yeah. And we were blocking the road and we were almost missing the ferry. And the tournament schedule was already moved ahead so that we could have time from Stockholm to drive to the southern Sweden for the because Nordic Championship. Yeah. And they organized this uh, tournament so that we would have time to drive there. And now we were driving a car that didn't move. And at one point we had a big downhill. And yes, now we're getting speed. We're getting almost 100 kilometers an hour. And we're going up. Then the next uphill comes. Oh, yeah, we could have good speed. And then some, some jerk just cut me in, cut in front of me, and slowed down. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to get over the hill. And I just furious. And I punched in the horn, car horn. Yeah. And the car shifted a bit. And I was like, tried the gas, gas pedal. Oh, it works. Put on a smaller gear and went past the car, car that just cut me off. And then it was like smooth sailing, 140 kilometers, 120 kilometers, sorry, an hour for the next trip. But for the rest of the time that that car was with me, no, not, not any mechanic could fix the issue. But every now and then you could have the turbo boost. The uh, turbo stopped working. And when you push the horn, it start, started running again. Okay. So, uh, so <laughs> that was my car playing car playing uh, hit from Night Rider. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. I mean, it it still worked, and you made it. So I can say, I mean, yeah, yeah. You can see the positive. You can see the positive thing. Yeah. Nowadays, I can see the positive. It wasn't so much fun when you, your car goes like maybe sixty kilometers an hour. Yeah, you have like four hundred kilometers to go. Yeah. Uh, I can, uh, I can understand. Huh. So my number four, um, I have also like uh, with my first car, I had some issues. Uh, it was like a, like a small Opel, uh, Opel, but, um, mm -hmm. when I, we went to the world championship 2002. Yeah. So, and my, um, so this car didn't start again. So what we do every time when we stopped at the gas station, every time from the tournament we drove somewhere, it was always like, okay, I was sitting in the car and two of my friends were always like pushing the car. And I um, I start to roll the car and then uh, and then I just started the car and they with like boats on the roof and stuff and the trunk was full yeah. of stuff. And the people really, uh, it was fun to see um, the people looking at us, what they're doing with this car, why they stay driving with it. But it fit everything what we needed. And when it was, when it starts, um, then it was running fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it was fun to see, to yeah. see the view from the, from the other people, um, for my two friends, uh, pushing this big car or the, the small car with a big load. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So, Arne, I really have to think about the next ones, but uh, you go on with your number three. <laughs> okay. Uh, number three, uh, it's still car related. Well, almost all of, pretty much all you, of these. You, you're from Finland, uh, so you're driving a lot, so. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> about the situation. We spend so much time on the polo trip that we get accidents or something. Uh, this uh, next one actually involves an accident with the... Uh, Maybe not the last time I was in Essen, but like a few years before. Uh, I was, uh, me and my girlfriend, we were driving the gear. This was like uh, the national 
men's team gear and the women's team gear and most of the tent and all of the kayaks were on our car and we were going to Essen and we had like uh, maybe three hours to drive two or three hours to drive and there was an accident on the autobahn and well you know when there's an accident on the autobahn it creates a big of a one big traffic jam and there were kilometers of the traffic jam in front of us and behind us and the schedule that they were giving that how much it's going to take to clear the road was going to mean mean that everybody is going to be late <laughs> we were but we were going to miss the next morning tournament all the gear was there and the games were starting the next morning and uh by the time they were discussing about clearing the road, it would have taken the eight, eight o'clock in the next morning to clear the road and get it running again. And we would still have the two to three hours of drive. Yeah. So, so what uh, did you do? What happened? Yeah. So somebody, somebody started going there around asking the officials and everything. I think some policemen went through there and they're telling them. Somebody was hinting that, yeah, they're trying to find some guy to take out the railing between the roads because there was no banks or anything. It was just pure asphalt and there were railings between yeah. the roads going different directions and both lanes were stopped so the accident was so severe that it had stopped traffic on both lanes both directions yeah so some people just started asking around if they have tools in the trunk and at this time we had already told our teams that we might miss the whole tournament so uh, they were also telling the organizers and organizers were like what do we need to reschedule everything? Do we need to find something else or you, you better try to forget the team here? But somebody found the tools and they tore out the railings and just so happened that, that we ours was like the second or maybe fourth car that went through the opening they made into the railings and then just started driving around around the accident site in you know, like through the through the small roads of Germany. Yeah. But for some time, we were like feeling that, yeah, we're supposed to be in a tournament. We paid quite a lot of money to get here, and now we're missing everything. Ah, yeah, that doesn't sound like a nice, like a nice, uh, nice feeling when you're sitting in the car and uh, you want to just uh, go I there. I got some really beautiful, serene pictures of a German autobahn. It's like maybe the first, only time in my life that I can stand in the middle of an autobahn and my back towards the oncoming traffic. That not oncoming because the lane is empty but yeah it was cool and it was serene and odd and we were really bummed about the situation hmm. so hopefully there are some more uh positive stories in the uh, in your next number two and one <laughs> i mean you made it to the tournament so it's positive yeah and okay. um, so my number oh, my number three i couldn't because i want to listen so i always have to think about uh, what's my number three incident I really don't know I mean I had some car accidents uh, on the way or my car broke down and we have to ch wait and then we have to wait for extra car and and but it's not like cool stories yeah I don't know I really don't know what happened Arne go on with your number two I really have to think I I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, number two on my list. Uh, we were trying to sneak into a Russian naval base in the middle of the night. That sounds like a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this is uh, uh, 
goes more on the same anxious side as the uh, former uh, former two stories. Actually, relates to the other one. Uh, so, uh, in Saint Petersburg tournament, for years they organized it on this Naval Academy yeah. training pool, and uh, it was really nice place. It was good camping and everything, and uh, it was fun. It was different from everything else, and it was a really big pool. Like we only used the end of the pool. Some sort of a marine training or something. Yeah. Hope I'm not giving any military secret here. The tournament was fun. We had been there for years, and every year there was the same problem: the guards on the gate they don't let any foreigners in without Russian passports. Yeah. Somebody from the tournament has to come to the gate and let the Finns in. Yeah. And this happens to be the same trip that we were on the wrong side of the river Neva and the the bridge. So we were there at the middle of the night. We had called earlier when we noticed that the, uh, the border control took time. So I called my friend who was not the organizer, but it was my friend, friend I knew. I had the phone number and I knew that he could speak English. Yeah. I called him that we're going to be late. Uh, I hope there's not going to be a problem at the gate since we're going to be there in the middle of the night. So we don't have to wake up anybody. So I hope that everything is settled with the guard. No, no, no guard. Everything is good. Just come to the tournament site. Everything is good. because. Yeah. Previous years, we had to. Some guys were had also driven there through some bushes or everything, like found a detour to the arena, yeah. arena, which might actually bring you problems if you sneak into a Russian naval base. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, after after the river uh, bridge incident, we come to the come to the gate, and there's the same guard and same dog, which seem to have been there since the Soviet era, and they're not letting us in. We have one person who speaks broken Russian, yeah. another person who speaks uh, Bulgarian in our car, and we try to explain to the person that we are canoe polo players and we want to come to the pool to play canoe polo and there's a tournament, and he says that yeah he knows what well, we understood that he understands that we're canoe polo players and we want to get to the pool but he can't let us. Yeah. we're foreigners. He can't let let us in. So we tried for a while and uh, then I finally called this friend of mine and. 4 a.m. in the morning, and he was okay. What is it? I'm really sorry to bother you, but the, the guard is not letting us in. What? The, there is no guard on the new new venue. What new venue? Oh, the tournament had been moved ah. two weeks before to another venue, but they forgot to tell us. Okay, that's <laughs> so, so. We were trying to try to sneak into this Russian naval yeah. base, just without any reason. So if the Chinese soldiers were thinking that you were spies, we also had a situation of looking quite suspicious. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can uh, understand that, yeah. That's, uh, but it, and how, long, how long did you have to drive from there then? Was the venue far away or was it close at least? Oh, it was, it was like a half an hour, but uh, it wasn't marked on any proper map. Right. So we had an we had an idea of the village name, okay. how it might be pronounced, and then we started find, tried to find on our GPS where might be a village okay. called this, because it was a really small village. Yeah. And we managed to find it. Like, there seems to be water over there, and uh, we found it, and then we got to sleep the whole three hours or something. Yeah. I mean, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, we found it really funny. It was really annoying, but it was like, really fun because we had some incidents every time we went there yeah yeah 
I mean, in the end, you can laugh about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have, uh, um, yeah, I, I also have like uh, when we went to 2001 um, European Championship in uh, Bitkosz in Poland. Um, we were so Poland wasn't wasn't European Union at this point, so you need to have a passport if you go to Poland. And uh, we were starting from Berlin. We had a training camp with under 21. And when we start going, it's not far. And then yeah, we just start driving. And uh, on the border, um, the, the border patrol, okay, um, where are your passports? And then I just like, I had like three friends of my or teammates with me said, okay, passports, guys. And I got three and one um, ID card. I said, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and they gave, handed out and he said, okay, where is the fourth passport? And uh, my friend said, "Oh, it's in the back." And again, it was a, the big car with a lot of stuff in the in the. Um, it's it's in there. And then the so we discussing a little and, oh, please let us in. And it's I, we can swear it's in there and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, I know. Uh, okay, okay. Go on, go on. And then we just passed the border, and uh, there was like a highway. And like, let's say a kilometer after the highway, there was a, <laughs> a police. And like uh, showing us like, okay, stop here, come out, come out, come out. So, um, and then we are staying, uh, we are stopping right on the highway. And then, okay, we go out and turn turn right and stop. And then they say, okay, uh, passports, please. I said, I wish just show them on the on the border. Um, no, you, you have to show them again. Okay, then uh, I hand out like the three passports and the one ID card and then, uh, Yeah, the the various the fourth passport. You have to show them, or we have to turn. You have to turn um, back. So okay, then I just went out of the car and just like opened the 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 door of uh, my trunk, and everything like um, tents and the sleeping bags. This everything f fell out out of the street, and uh, so where's I told me where's your passport? Where's it? It was really in there, yeah, but we just forgot to take it to the front and. Uh, Yeah, it was fun. And everyone else from the Germans, <laughs> they uh, passed us and saw us staying there. Uh, our coach <laughs> was wondering and to his one, not everybody had a, a smartphone and uh, for sure not using it in Poland because of uh, the costs. So he was like, okay, they will be okay. They will be okay. Um, but yeah, um, we showed the passport and then we were able to, to drive on. But this uh, was also a nice, uh, funny story. But you can see it's everything always with a car on the right, huh? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. With, with with all the all the maps and GPSs and smartphones, how how we could ever do these trips yeah. in the 80s or 90s. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How did we manage? Yeah, I, how do we find home? Yeah, that's true. But it, we did, so it's fine. <laughs> so um, Arne, you're number one. Yeah, uh, this involves uh, 2014 World Championships. Uh, I wasn't paddling myself, but. Uh, Uh, our no, then national team or club team, I'm, I don't remember, we participated at the Dickerstein yeah. in, in Belgium. Yeah. And uh, we had also dis decided on that tournament with the possibility that the next weekend is the World Championships. And if somebody wants to stay there for the championships as a tourist, they can do it. And uh, Jero and I did it. Jero is our uh, the When 2019 Jerry was our captain at that time, he was a player in the team. 
And Jerry and I were we were driving the car there. So we had all the team gear. That was my Turbo Boost car, actually. And we were on that trip. Fortunately, it worked on that trip without an incident. Uh, but uh, on the last game, on the last minute or two minutes in the Dickabus tournament for us, Jerry managed to get his shoulder dislocated, ah, like really bad. It, it took like, uh, we tried it for like an hour on next to the pitch and we didn't get it working and he had to go to a hospital and took hours there. And I think they had to do a surgery on his shoulder to get it, the shoulder on the back on, back on its yeah. place. And uh, in the end, it was weeks before he could lift it at all. So uh, my dry car was uh, like a manual transmission. Yeah. So Jerry couldn't drive. So we had a half a week of driving around northern uh, France. And I was I have been really looking forward to visiting the cider and uh, cognac farms, oh, okay. maybe tasting something. Yeah. But then I was the only one uh, capable of driving the car because Jerry was just a passenger now. Yeah. And he wanted to still come to the tournament. So uh, we drive, drove around northern France and then went to the tournament, had fun watching the tournament as spectators and everything and chatting with our players that we knew and everything. And when the tournament was over, we had a really tight schedule of uh, catching a ferry on Tuesday morning yeah. in Stockholm. And Turi Harkut is quite it's far, quite far yeah, I, yeah. From, yeah. So in the end, it was, uh, I think it was uh, 28 hours of driving. So Jerry was just chatting with me, keeping me awake. And when I got way too tired, I took a nap of like half an hour or something. And then we just started driving. And both of us were like, we were discussing all the time that am I awake? Am I doing everything? Like he was trying to look at my driving if I'm uh, still sober from my non-sleeping condition. Yeah. And it's something that I don't recommend to every, anybody. And it was really stupid to drive that long a drive. But yeah. It was, I think it was 36 hours practically awake from the morning of the final day and watching the final yeah. games and then driving home and 28 hours driving and we made it to Stockholm maybe four hours time to spare. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like we saw the, so we saw the fun in it, the hilarity. In it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really tedious driving. I can I can see the fun uh, or, or the uh, like that is fun to 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 talk about, and I'm sure it has good moments. But 28 hours, and you just have to remember the good ones, good good moments in there. That's <laughs> it's scary. I mean, 28 hours. I mean, I drive also a lot, but 28 hours is crazy. Yeah, I can't do yeah. that. I I wouldn't try yeah. anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I would like, I would, okay, they miss a ferry. I would change the <laughs> ferry. I would miss the ferry. I would change the yeah. ferry tickets, or I would even miss the Tori Harcourt games. games. Although I'm really glad I didn't. It was an awesome tournament. Yeah. Okay. So then I, I don't know if it's, if I rank it number one, but I have also an incident. At, I mean, it includes polo. Yeah. So uh, we had uh, like, a, we went in 2002 or three, we went again to Poland to to the world championship or european championship of canoe uh, so flat water racing and uh, we were invited from the uh, polish uh, federation uh, some people from berlin or um, to go over there and uh, show canoe polo um, to the race kayaking uh, 
viewers or spectators um, between the races. Yeah, so we we just went over there, and uh, yeah, so we didn't had we didn't had goals. Uh, so it was quite quite <laughs> hard to show uh, Kanu Polo without goals. Um, so we we just um, start of the game. So yeah, we line up the, the ball in the middle, and then we just uh, try to make it as, spe- as spectacular as we can. And and we did, yeah. And uh, one of the Polish guys, in accident, I'm, I'm sure, and he's <laughs> so it wasn't um, hit uh, hit uh, my helmet um, and my my face mask hit my chin, and my chin was bleeding. <laughs> and then I was like, but it wasn't that much. It wasn't that that much. Yeah. So, but I have to get out of the boat, and uh, I went to the doctor from the from the um, from the uh, regatta from the championship. And then he said, "Oh, we have to go to hospital." But so I, I got like a volunteer, uh, who, uh, which sp- spoke English, and so but the doctor said, "Okay, no, you have to go to the hospital." And then I don't know anyone. I was in wet clothing, um, just out of going to the t- cab with my volunteer. Uh, so she was really nice. Uh, it was good. Uh, we talked a little, and then uh, we're going into the hospital, and they were like, "It was great." like in a bad movie yeah so some guy was sitting there his hand was to- totally bleeding yeah so it was really looked really bad other per- so there was the, some serious some serious um injuries yeah and uh, mm. I-, I came in there uh, i was sitting i just said like a little bleeding on my chin yeah so it was like one one and a half centimeter of a, a wound um so it wasn't that that yeah. bad yeah and then the my the volunteer uh, she she went in and said okay just sit down wait here I'm coming back and then like she went into into next room um, twenty seconds later um, she came she came back out and said okay come with me because I I still had like my, my Germany badge so for them I was like an athlete yeah athlete from the world championship so I was important yeah for the world championship um, I wasn't but they thought and then I just went in there and then didn't speak any word of English and uh, so and also the volunteer her English was okay but she couldn't say the the uh, medicine uh, thing and then and the doctor said um oh yeah uh, something like titanium and with a question mark I said, titanium titanium what's titanium and then uh, they took out like the um like, like what is it injection and then it was mm. like tetanus so I don't know is it <laughs> yeah, so that's what they meant, and then ah, okay, yeah. so I just get like the um, the injection from the <laughs> from the tetanus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. but I was like, what is what? I only have like a small thing that was so so completely weird. Like the, the really big injuries, I had nothing. I just went in, and everyone else has to sit down there. And then they talked about titanium. I was like, oh no, I'm. I don't want to be like Wolverine. I'm not a titanium. <laughs> uh, um, but it was nice. And then they just they just put like uh, it was one one or two stitches, and then it was fine. Yeah. So it was a, a funny uh, a funny story um, in my uh, polo career, uh, which has nothing to do really with a um, polo game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I always say that, um, but we are through. Thank you, Arne. Um, we set the record by far. Yeah, so that is we're talking two hours already, and I think the uh, longest before was uh, a little over ninety. Um, so, but I didn't feel like this. 
Uh, I really had a nice uh, chat with you and uh, hopefully all the listeners uh, wants to listen to it. Um, so the only thing what I really can say is thank you again, Arne, for your time, for your uh, today and also for your passion and uh, time and um, what you're putting into the sport and uh, try to um, develop the sport in Finland with all your um, other people, uh, polo people from Finland. And uh, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. This was uh, uh, well. It was a privilege to be invited for this, and it's really awesome that you're doing this. Le really looking forward to the your other episodes. Thank you. So I can uh, uh, I can announce the next episode after this one will be with Charlotte Bacchus. Hopefully the name is right uh, from the Netherlands. Um, I will. That will be the next episode. So. Listen to this one, or, the, or you already did. Um, tune in the next time, and good night, Arne. Uh, see you hopefully around the tournaments, hopefully at the European Championship. And uh, well with that words, we are out. <laughs>